You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. At age 17, Noah Elliott had his left leg amputated above the knee. He would learn about Paralympic snowboarding through attending a camp for children with cancer. Although the Paralympic gold medalist is known for his success on the snow, we chat with him about his passion for skateboarding as well. No, I know I, I know that most folks know you as obviously a, a snowboarder and obviously a Paralympic snowboarder and a and a medalist as well. Uh, but let's for those that may not be familiar with your story and uh, that are listening for the first time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me again. It's so good to connect and see your face again. Finally. Uh, I know we've been trying to get on the horn for a while, so it's good to see you again, but yeah, for everybody who doesn't know me, my name is Noah Elliott. I am a Paralympic snowboarder, a gold and bronze medalist uh, in para snowboarding and snowboarding is something that kind of came into my life after uh, my life took a shift. So I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, far away from the mountains. Skateboarding was a sport that I got into at a very early age. And it was something that really inspired me to continue to pursue sports, but also tap into my like maximum potential as an individual at that sport. And so uh, around the age of 10 or 12 years old, I realized that I could become a professional skateboarder and that could be something that I wanted to do for a career. So I pursued every single day out on my skateboard as if I was training to do that. Uh, I actually was on my way. I was doing really well, started doing some local competitions and had some companies trying to back me. And then all of a sudden um, I had a pain in my left knee and that's when I found out that I had a cancer diagnosis. And so um, a curse and a blessing, I went through my cancer treatment at St. Louis Children's Hospital with osteosarcoma. Uh, Long story short, they tried to save my leg. I ended up making the decision to amputate it above the knee so that I could pursue sports again because when I was in the hospital, it was 2014, and that's when I saw the Sochi Paralympics on TV, and I saw Paralympic snowboarding for the first time. That inspired me, and so that kind of gave me the push to get into para-snowboarding. I got to go on a camp for kids with cancer with the Sunshine Kids organization, and I met Brenna Huckabee, and that was kind of what sparked it all. And so I was like, okay, this is real. I can see it in person. Let's do it. And so long story short, that's how I got into Paris snowboarding, and I've been on the team now for six or seven years. And uh, yeah, it's just as fun as the day I started. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe it's been that long. So we met at Ski Spectacular in 2017, I think, right before the 2018, you know, right, you know, the, the year before the 2018 games. So that that's I can't believe it's been that long already. <laughs> I know, right? It's insane. It's crazy. So obviously, uh, two Paralympics under under your belt on the winter side, um, and I assume you're still looking for uh, a third Paralympics. Is that the is that the goal at this point? You know, absolutely. That's something that I'm really looking forward to because 2022, my second Paralympic Games, wasn't as good as I was hoping it to be just because of an injury I was dealing with. I had a really severe injury going on with my leg, and I wasn't really able to go in there at my top level at all. So uh, it was really hard to qualify all season, do really good, and then have this injury kind of pop up and make it to where the biggest competition of the season, Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't in my favor. But I'm really excited for 2026. And that's something that I'm preparing for uh, today. 
That's awesome. And so obviously outside the winter season, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you already mentioned that you were a skateboarder before you decided to, to or elected to, to have a, your leg amputated. So how did it come about that you got, uh, you know, that you started to get back into that activity? You know, skateboarding was something that when I first got my cancer diagnosis, it was something that really like described who Noah was, right? Like at that point in my life, skateboarding was Noah. And that is how I saw myself. I was like, Noah's a skateboarder. And when that was all taken away amongst this cancer diagnosis, and I was told that with my limb salvage surgery, I wasn't able to do, you know, run, jump, ride a bike or anything extravagant because of my range of motion and the hardware that they had put in. It was really challenging because I, I had to question who really was Noah and who I wanted Noah to be if I did survive cancer. So it was always in the back of my mind. And when I when I amputated my leg to pursue snowboarding, it was really a thing of like, I know that snowboards have bindings and I know that my prosthetic can fit in the binding and be held there. And so I knew that snowboarding was going to be a lot easier for me to pick up right off the bat than skateboarding will be. And so skateboarding was something that I kind of pushed to the side in my life a little bit so I could focus on snowboarding. And then after Pyeongchang is when I like that summer, uh, I got approved to go and live at the OTC in Colorado Springs. And that was really what made it happen is that there was a skate park four blocks down the road. I was like, I did the snowboarding thing. Now I can finally get back to skateboarding and I wanted to try it. And it was hard. It was really hard in the beginning. Um, and it still is hard, but I kind of picked it back up pretty well. So that was really exciting. Um, but it was really just trying to get used to how my leg would work. Cause now I don't have a knee. I'm using a shock as my knee, uh, as well as in my foot. And so when I'm trying to drop in, I'm like, I can't bend my knee and push my knee down, you know, mm -hmm. to drop into to a bowl. So it was something that like was really challenging for me to like learn how to drop in again and kind of relearn how to skateboard. And so for Lisa, for, I mean, particularly uh, when you were growing up, you know, skate, the, that sport, that activity of, of skateboarding was part of your identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you when you lo lose that, you know, and, and you're, you're trying to figure out what your new identity is, and then you realize later down the road that this can still be a part of me. And it's not it doesn't define me. It's not my identity, but it's something that I really enjoy and love to do. And that's something that's cool because it can help inspire other people um, and take it to new levels. You know, like right now where para skateboarding is going is amazing. It's super exciting. It's like the next thing to come up and everyone wants to get involved now, which is great. So is, um, is it different for you personally? I mean, do you feel like it's a different sport or activity or do you feel like it's the same sport and same activity that you, you know, grew up and that you knew and that you loved? It's different. It definitely is different. And I think the reason it's different is, you know, I, I knew my levels and capabilities on a skateboard with two legs and, you know, I was pretty good. Like I, I was really pretty good. And that, that made it harder because now it's like a mental barrier where, I still know how to do everything. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot harder and my leg can't always like assist me in doing that. And so it can be challenging, but at the end of the day, it's just as exciting because I get the same feeling when I'm on the skateboard at the skate park, riding around the bowl, like just pumping it, cruising, like doing the coping stuff. Like that all feels the same. And that's really exciting because that's that feeling that, you know, I've been searching for since I lost my leg, I was like, you know, and had that cancer diagnosis. And so it's different, but it's also the same. And so it, it's cool to have like that, that kind of contrast to it. And 
I imagine it's also the same because it's, you know, it, the, the skateboarding kind of world, if you will, is all about community and about, you know, connection. And so that doesn't change. You still yeah. are able to build community and, and, and hang out with other skateboarders and learn from other skateboarders and challenge other skateboarders and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you go to the skate park, somebody's got a grill there, they're barbecuing, everyone's hanging out. Like it's the weekend. That's, that's totally the energy and community that's about. And what do you, how do you think uh, technology and the advancement in technology has uh, helped the sport to where it is right now? Technology is really what done it. You know, um, the Modoni and VersaFoot setup, that has been something that has really like changed parasports in general adaptive abilities at a whole you know and that's something that we see all the time but that that is something that's got people who never would have been able to who never would have even thought about getting into skateboarding decide that they want to try it and i think that's really cool because you know there beforehand it's like someone like me who's an ak trying to skateboard it would have been really tough with some of the components that were out there you know and especially like at the level that i was skateboarding before me coming into it with that mindset of like okay i want to skate really good again and like getting into that with that that motive and being limited by it you know now it's like i can go out there and i can really test it and it really it is like how how committed am i to go out there and to really test the boundaries of what i can do as an ak with the moto knee and versa foot setup you know it's like i know i can do 50 50 grind i know i can do five o's i know i can do all these things it's like what else can i do it's like okay now i want to go up i want to try to do crooks again i want to do these again now you know it's like all these different tricks that i want to try to test because i have that opportunity now to do that with the new equipment that's out there and it, so you mentioned the Moto Knee and the wrist foot, and that was a, a game changer in the snowboarding space. Uh, so in the skateboarding space, is it the same knee or and same foot, or did there have to be any modifications almost to allow for skateboarding? I mean, like, what's the was it the exact same, or or is it the or is it a little bit of a differentiation? Yeah, no, it's the same exact setup. The only difference is our settings, right? Because snowboarding, we're going to be having more G-forces acting on our leg when we're riding mm -hmm. down the hill. We're on a steep incline. We're at high elevation. We're usually going pretty fast. And so those are all things that we need to take into consideration when tuning the shock, right? Like setting up my shock for snowboarding is going to be different from when I'm setting up my shock to go skateboarding. And that's something that uh, everyone has figured out who has tried it. But in the past, it's like you can't really do, you know, an AK, there's not a lot of AK skateboarding. A lot of them will either use, like with a prosthetic even. Um, there's only been a couple that have actually done it. And that that's something that people are like trying to test. You know, there's this guy named Eric Dargent from France and he created his own little knee. And that's something that he was using, but he was using like um, Velcro or like a snowboard binding on his front foot. So he would like drill it into his skateboard and strap his foot into that but then that limits you because on skateboard you know you got to be able to bail kick it away whenever you need to and so um you know there's also a guy named vasu and he he's an ak but he's really high and so he uses crutches in one foot hmm. but it's really cool because now that we have that option right it's like some, some people that are somewhere in the middle like me right like i'm cut above the knee i'm not too high to where i don't wear a prosthetic and i'm not a bk to where i, I don't need the knee so um now it's just about trying it, you know, and getting people out there and doing it. And that's really cool to see. Like there, there's a lot of people on the para snowboard circuit who have actually tried to start skateboarding now because, you know, they've seen people like myself and um, just out there skateboarding and like really doing it. And 
that's something that everyone stayed away from because concrete hurts, <laughs> you know, when you fall, <laughs> concrete hurts much more than snow. So, um, but it's cool to see everyone out there doing it. Concrete definitely does hurt and definitely. Yeah. Hurts yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so what do you see as the, I guess the need for further advancement in terms of the technology uh, to allow for uh, everyone to maximize their potential in the bow or, or, or just, or just doing some other tricks that they, that like you or others may not be able to do now. Yeah. Uh, the advancements, I see them going in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, I, I know Schultz and Biodap is working extremely hard as well as other prosthetic manufacturing companies. Like everyone's trying to, to step the plate up because that's what it is, right? At the end of the day is like somebody comes in, they take the bar to the next level and then everyone's trying to meet there. And in doing so they can either step above or they can meet right below and everybody's trying to get right there. And so I think that's something really cool because you know, with the BioDap setup coming out, that did change, you know, a lot as, as we've talked about. And that's something that other companies are trying to do also. And Schultz is still working on it. So he's like, he's steadily trying to make more advancements. And it's cool being able to go out there to Minnesota and uh, test a couple components with him from time to time and see where that's going. You know, it's like now we got kids being able to like take a an ice skating blade and put it on the bottom of their biodap foot. That's something that he's been working on, which is extremely exciting, you know, for like kids that want to get back into that. But, um, you know, all, all good things. Yeah. Amazing things. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that there are a lot of snowboarders uh, now that are, that are now thinking about or getting into uh, skateboarding. Uh, what do you think it is? I, I mean, I do see an overlap, obviously, in, a, in individuals yeah. in, in those two sports. What do you think it is about those two sports where that there does seem to be like a community or some overlap between, you know, the communities of snowboarders and skateboarders? Skateboarding, skateboarding and snowboarding communities are very similar uh, when it comes down to the like brotherhood family like feeling that you get when you're at the top of a course or at a skate park you know it's it's very similar feeling of everyone supporting each other i'd say snowboarding's a little more competitive though skateboarding is pretty chill and everyone wants to see everyone do well same in snowboarding but like at the end of the day when you're at the top of a, of a ski course or a snowboard course versus like a skate park it's just a different feel and so i think people get more competitive when it comes to snowboarding but skateboarding is a fun sport that everybody can go out, do, enjoy, and still have the same feeling in the summer that they get when they're traveling the world in the winter, you know, and I think that's really cool. But, you know, you'd look at people like Mike Miner and Evan Strong, and it's like those people grew up skateboarding also, just like I did, and mm -hmm. uh, very different things, right? Like Miner is missing an arm, uh, Evan's just a BK, and that's something that is really cool to see because it's like since the BioDap foot came out, he's now rocking that, you know, and skateboarding still and, and pushing the limits on what he's able to do now as an adaptive skateboarder skater and miners doing the same thing you know obviously miners just missing an arm so that that just affects different things of the upper upper movements but they are similar movements when it comes down to it right like mm -hmm. skateboarding is definitely harder than snowboarding and so i think that's why we don't see as many people actually um competing in it yet is because everyone's trying to everyone everyone has to build up that that courage of slamming on concrete <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know getting to where they feel comfortable not slamming on concrete that often, you know, so, um, that's something. Yeah. Well, and you raised a good point then. So why do you, why is it? And then you touched upon it, obviously besides the concrete element, why is skateboarding harder than snowboarding? It comes down to the feet not being strapped into the snowboard. Mm. And the thing with uh, skateboarding is, you know, you've got bearings in the wheels that are going to roll. And so the board is shorter 
right? Mm-hmm. And when the board is shorter and you have these wheels under your feet, it's the balance is so minimal. If you if you barely go off the back, you're going to slide out and you're going to slam on the concrete really hard. Versus snowboarding, it's a little easier. You have a bigger uh, surface, a longer snowboard, more stable, and really it's tilting right and maneuvering the board on a snowboard at speed skateboarding is the littlest movement like you can catch the wheel on the bottom of the board they call it wheel bite and you're going to fly forward if you hit the tiniest rock and it gets caught the wrong way on your wheel you're going to fly forward so i think it's something that's really hard but what we've seen in para snowboarding is everyone realizes now how well skateboarding transfers to snowboarding if you're a good skateboarder you're going to be a great snowboarder and that's something that people have started to realize and that's why we see para athletes from snowboarding trying skateboarding now is because they want to try to really maximize their snowboarding ability and capabilities so um that's something that we're seeing even even the japan team has started skateboarding you know and it's like wow everyone's trying to get in because they're starting to see how well it benefits people in snowboard courses so in, in essence, would you consider it a cross-training opportunity or or, or absolutely. not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that I mean, that's what it, it never started as that, right? Skateboarding was its own thing. And like when the the foundation of skateboarding started, you know, it's like when the waves suck, you know, in California for surfing, it's like, okay, I want to go do something else and surf concrete. And that's the coolest part, is like it started as that. And like moving forward to what we see today, it's it's really cool because it is a cross-training sport for every board sport, you know, if you're, if you're a good skateboarder, you're pretty much be pretty good at all board sports, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not the same if you're coming from other sports into skateboarding, you know, that's something that a lot of athletes have faced. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned surfing too, because I know that that, that is definitely uh, because they're, they're board sports, right? So I'm glad yeah. you, I'm glad you touched upon that. Let's talk a little bit about the board. I know that like, let's say, if, you know, if there's a listener out there, someone that's just, just now hearing about this, obviously they can go out and get a, a, a cheap, you know, uh, skateboard to start. And, you know, and that, and, and, and they don't have to necessarily invest a lot of money into it until they get, you know, a little bit more advanced. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a bit, a bit about how the, what the board means to you and what you, what you look for and, and what kind of board you're using now. So I think the, this is the main reason that I got into skateboarding is because, uh, I grew up in St. Louis and, at the time, my mom didn't have the most money. You know, she was a welder. She was working full time at, at a company, uh, a refrigeration company, welding together uh, refrigerators for industrial like grocery stores and things. And my stepdad was a construction worker. And so they were always busy and working. And then my mom got injured. And so then we were living off of one household's income. So uh, team sports were more expensive. You needed more equipment for that, like football, basketball, all that stuff. Um, and so we weren't able to afford that. But skateboarding is one of those one sports that all you need is a pair of tennis shoes, a helmet, and a skateboard. And the best part is you can get a pair of tennis shoes for 30 to 60 bucks. You can get a full, complete, like really nice skateboard setup for like 120 bucks and a helmet that's like $25. So it's a cheap in and something that you can do with anyone, anywhere. All you need is concrete. I mean, you know, you look at Rodney Mullen, he's like one of the best skateboarders ever to do it. And it's like he he grew up in the middle of nowhere and all he had was a little slab of a slab of concrete. You know, and that's that's really cool. It's like he became one of the best skateboarders ever with a tiny slab of concrete mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and flat ground tricks. And that's that's something that's really cool that can happen. So yeah. it, it's great. 
And, and I imagine maybe your board's a little bit more than $120 now, <laughs> or, or I mean, like, that's the best part is it's not like, really? <laughs> like it's not, it's so simplistic. Like now, nowadays you can, I mean, you can go all out and get like a really expensive skateboard. Um, but you don't need that. Like at the, at the end of the day, like my skateboards are all, I have one that was given to me. I have a bunch that are broken from when I grew up skateboarding, um, that I don't ride anymore. I'm just waiting to do something cool with them and like build something or something. And, um, yeah, it's like my, my skateboard itself was probably 35 bucks, the deck, right. Just the board. And then you get the trucks, you know, and the truck go on the bottom and that's like 50 bucks and then wheels and bearings. So it's really not expensive. And I think that's what makes it so accessible for everyone is it's not that expensive, you can do it anywhere, anytime. And it's a great sport. You know, it's just fun to do. You're out in the sunshine, you're outside doing stuff, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't beat that. And and that's why I wanted to start the question about, about the price and the cost is it, it is a pretty accessible sport and a low, low cost, uh, or, or the, the cost is hopefully not a barrier to entry is, is the, the point I wanted to make. And like, how many times are you repairing a skateboard over a season? You know, do the wheels, you know, do you have to replace the wheels or bearings or anything like that along the way? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're skateboarding really hard, and this is something that like I used to do when I had two legs, cause I skateboarded really hard then. And like, now I don't, I don't, you know, I'm full-time dad. I, I work a bunch. I, I'm working out as well. I'm trying to be the best all around human I can be. Um, and so I don't get as much time to skateboard as I used to, but now that the weather's clearing up, I plan to go out more. But when I was growing up doing it, yes, you get like flat spots on your wheels, which are coming from like sliding and doing slides and stuff like that. And so what that happens, like you hear a skateboard coming and it sounds really rough. It's not like, you know, you can always hear a skateboard coming. It has a specific sound. It's like when the wheels are hitting the concrete, um, and the cracks and the sidewalk, like you can hear you know, but when you get flat spots, it's like boom, 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 boom. And your board actually, the, the wheels aren't round anymore. They have flat spots on them. So you're kind of doing the Fred Flintstone at that point. So then you got to go ahead and uh, replace your wheels. Bearings can break. Yes. But, you know, and, and unless you're skateboarding really hard, your trucks are going to last forever, you know, like really like. And like if you're grinding rails all the time, you can get like divots in them because it's metal on metal and over time it wears. Mm-hmm. But that's you got to be really pushing the limits of skateboarding and really like getting after it to get those kind of things. <laughs> you got to be beating up your board quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you break it, you know, like that that can happen too. You can, you know, do something and the and the board snaps. But guess what? I got everything else. All I got to do is pay another 35 bucks, go get a shop deck, and we're good to go, you know. It's true. Yeah. And so besides obviously going out and getting, uh, you know, the basic equipment that we've talked about, that we've already talked about, how would you recommend someone getting started or getting into the, the sport of skateboarding? It's really that getting into it is as simple as having the will to get out there and try it, you know, and if you have a friend, like if you don't want to go out and pay the the money to get your own, have a friend, step on it, try it a little bit and see, because it is one of those things that when you first step on it, it can be really scary and intimidating, but nine times out of 10, if somebody gives it two days and like gets past that initial fear of like slipping out and falling, they're going to end up loving it and be like, wow, this is really cool. And then they can be like, Hey, my friend, let me borrow their skateboard. You know, I got to try it out for an hour or two, a couple of days. Now I can go get my own. I want to actually like learn. 
And I think the best way to do it is just going to the skate park, you know, feeling the community, seeing what people are doing. And you'll see people that are, you know, dads that are out there with their kids that their dads are 55. And they're like, you know, we've been doing this for mm-hmm. as long as, you know, we have. And now we're sharing it with our with our family. And it's just a cool environment, you know. So I think just going out there, go check out a skate park see what people are doing uh, and maybe ask somebody to try one or whatever. And like, everybody will support you and be like, for sure. Like hop on, let me show you how it's done. You know? And that's, that's the coolest part about it. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, like the, the dad's component, because often I think people will think it is a young person sport, but I, I mean, there's someone in my community that's a dad in his fifties or so and, and still skateboarding and loving it. So it's not necessarily uh, something that, that uh, it's just a young person's activity or young person sport. Absolutely. There's man, there's this, there's a couple of people that I follow on Instagram, but there's even a guy who learned how to skateboard like at 52 years old or something. And he's so good now. And he's like 55 maybe now, but he's like insanely good. And it's like, dude, this is awesome. And there's an old lady that I follow. She's like in her sixties, like in her sixties skateboarding. It's like, that is cool. Like, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a really famous saying, and it's like, you didn't get old because of skateboarding. You got old because you stopped skateboarding. And so that's like the joke inside of the community. And they even make like shirts with that on it. It's, it's, it's so funny, but um, it's cool to see what's going on, you know, even with uh, adaptive action sports and Daniel Gale, you know, Daniel Gale has transitioned into the skateboarding realm and he's really being an advocate for adaptive athletes moving forward. Like, Hey, like, let's get these guys, these para adaptive skate clinics going on. Let's make sure that we have access to this and show the world what we can actually do, which was really cool. Cause like he, he's the person who actually got adaptive skateboarding into X games a few years ago and has continued to push that and evolve adaptive skating for like the world to see, which has been really cool to, to be a part of. And I know, I know that um, some of you use some terms and some words that maybe some people aren't familiar with. So I'd love to go over a few of those um, just to, just to kind of give some, some definition behind them for, for newbies. Um, But like you talk about the bowl, can you, can you talk a little bit about what that is? And, and then obviously some rails and just some, some basic maybe elements or components of skateboarding. Sure. So we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about all that. So if you go to a skate park, you're probably going to see a few different components there. You're definitely going to see something that's called a box. Okay. A box is just exactly what it sounds like. It's like a, a, a box that is strung out a long box and it's got a coping. So metal on the side of it. Um, and you can either grind, grind by like ollieing, So jumping on the skateboard onto the, the metal and grinding it and sliding all the way down and getting off the end. That's called a grind. And then Mm -hmm. you can also hop on the top of it and that's a box. Okay. So box, you can do all kinds of cool, fun stuff with. Um, It's one of the simplest components that'll be in a skate park. Next thing you'll see is a rail. A rail is pretty much what it sounds like. You know, if you, if you imagine walking downstairs and you have a handrail next to you to put your hand on, there'll be those with stairs at a skate park. And that is for you to jump down the stairs. You can either go around it. Um, you can ollie onto the rail, the handrail that's on that and grind that. And so those are some components. There's also ramps um, for people that are learning, right? Like just fun little ramps that'll go into like flat transitions so that you can get get used to going down and just cruising around and making little turns in the flats. And that's at the end of the day, like that's one of the coolest parts of skateboarding is like you can hop on a skateboard and anyone that gets on a skateboard, you take them to a skate park after they figure out the balance for a few minutes, 
you can get them to start turning in the flats and that's when it becomes really fun. So you'll see that. And then you'll also see a bowl. And when I talk about a bowl, it's essentially think of a bowl that you eat soup out of, but in the concrete <laughs> made, and it can be anywhere between three feet deep to 20, uh, not 22, uh, 13, 14, 15 feet deep in sections. So it's really cool because it has a, a section for everyone in it and you hop in it and go up on the walls of it and pump around. And that's, that's a ball. Yeah. I, 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 I'm glad you mentioned the Super Bowl. I was equating it to like a pool, right? Almost like it's going into a, a concrete swimming pool as well. Sort well of. And that's, <laughs> that's it too, right? That That's another way that, I mean, that's what they used to do back in the day. They would skate pools, you know, they would drain <laughs> pools and go and skate those. And that's how it started. And that's how the bowls became a bowl. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Daniel, because I've already talked to him. And, um, and so just from your perspective and the time that we have left, what, um, what do you, where do you think the evolution of the sport's going to, going to go? I see it going really far. I think it's going to be something that everyone wants to watch because we've all seen skateboarding. We see where it's going in, in general. Skateboarding is amazing and it's progressed tremendously over the last like seven, eight years. Um, even before that, it had progressed a ton. And, and it's a new sport when you think about it. Like it, it hasn't been a long, around that long. And it's really changed over the years that it's been around. And so now to bring in adaptive athletes and showcasing what people can do uh, with disabilities on a skateboard is really cool. You know, you'll even see people who are missing both their legs and are skateboarding extremely hard, you know, and they're just using their hands and pushing mm -hmm. and using their arms to grab the skateboard and jumping without legs it's insane so being able to see where that's going is also inspiring and i think that's the the future of it right it's showcasing what people can do we might even see kids in india who you know have had uh lost both their legs for some traumatic reason and have access to a skateboard now and they they can start doing it um, some people even just use it to get around because it's easier than walking on prosthetics and that's really cool yeah, I mean, I, I know we didn't talk about that, but I've I've seen some individuals use it as a mobility device. <laughs> Absolutely, to, to get uh, you know to and from you know point A to point B. So, I mean, so it's got a lot of different kind of uh, purposes, if you will, um, around it. And so, I know that there are some competitions planned. Are you uh, what are you gonna are you gonna be there? Are you planning to maybe do some competitions? I absolutely would love to. Um, it, it's been tough uh, recently. Um, I, it's all invite only at this time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as soon as I get an invite, I will be at any adaptive skate competition that is going on. So um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Count you in, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And and besides the community and, and some of the other things that we've talked about, what, what is it about skateboarding that, that is thrilling and exhilarating? What, what is the kind of the, um, the, the intrinsic kind of value of the sport? Probably just the fact that you can get on it and blow off steam, right? Like if you're having a bad day, if whatever's going on, you can just take your skateboard and go cruise. And that is something that can really uh, mentally put you back where you need to be, you know? And that's something that I think a lot of kids realize, you know, like that's what pretty much everyone where I grew up, that's how they got into skateboarding is it was cheap. Their parents couldn't afford it. Uh, any other sports, they got a skateboard 
and it became something that their friends were doing, they were doing, and it was something that they could blow off steam with, you know, um, with whatever that was going on in their life. And that's, that's really cool. That, that's, that's something really cool that skateboarding can be. It can be a therapist as well. That's awesome. Anything else that we not, that I'm not asking you about that you'd like to talk about or, or share? I feel like we covered it all, man. We <laughs> did great. I'm, I'm super excited that this is being uh, brought to the attention of everyone. We're doing a story on this. I think it's really cool because uh, it is a great sport. It should be shared. And that's something that I love that we're doing. And I know that, uh, you know, I know that you're on some social media platforms. So at least for those that may want to connect with you and and follow either snowboarding or skateboarding or all the other the other roles and, and hats that you wear as a dad and everything else. Uh, what are you what are what platforms are you on and how can people connect with you? For sure. So my name is Noah Elliott. My last name, Elliott, has two L's and two T's in it. E-L-L-I-O-T-T. And so my Instagram is my last name first, Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T underscore Cindy, S-E-N-D-Y. So you can follow me there and yeah, hopefully follow my story.